<laughs> I love the comp that that Dame Brugler gave him. He called him a grizzly bear, and I was like, "That was yeah. the comp, <laughs> yes, American yes. grizzly bear." Uh, yeah, the American grizzly bear. <laughs> Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast for Tuesday, April the 11th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at Broadway Sports Media. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. I'm tired from reading all day. Oh, and what could you possibly be reading about? I don't know. Maybe it's it. Maybe it's the work of a certain Dane, Mister Dane Brugler, that came out today. <laughs> yes. um, that I have not put down. <laughs> That's crazy because you and I are in the exact same boat. Um, if you follow the draft, then you almost certainly know about Dane Brugler's The Beast, which is his annual draft guide. He releases over at the Athletic. Incredible! It is the it is the Bible for folks during draft season in terms of wanting to get all of your info and the most info in one place for literally every single prospect in the draft. So no free shout outs on this show, but we have to give a free shout out to Dane Brugler because we are going to be utilizing his work quite a bit. Uh, I think it's really fascinating and everyone should go utilize it. You have to have an athletic membership, but this alone is worth your athletic membership for sure. Your subscription or whatever it is. It is a like, I think over 300 page document of it's 308. OK, 308 pages of over 1800 prospects. So if you want to learn about prospects you've never even heard of, it is your source. It's your go to source. I just I, I love I love the first like paragraph or so on each like each player because it's not like he doesn't get into the nitty gritty. It's like mm-hmm. he's got like four brothers. He's from here. He did this. And I'm yeah, like, no, this it's is very, way too much it's, information. It's Wikipedia <laughs> entry style writing. It is, let me write a semi-biographical retelling of this player's life. And then I'll mention the tape study that I did. I mean, he works on it. <laughs> Most draft analysts start like, you know, November, December. So you mm-hmm. get a little head, a head start. Mid-season, college ball season. This dude is going to start like tomorrow on next year's beast. It's a year-long process for him. Um, so that we're, we're hyping him up like crazy, but he deserves it because he spends a whole year like a maniac putting this thing together. It is just one of the many different draft guides and resources out there for you to use. In addition to this one, we're going to be a resource as we have been for the past couple of days again today, JT, just to give the folks at home who are keeping track of where we're at with our situation or not situational, what our positional series we're going position by position this year in the 2023 nfl draft we have already covered three of them we cover the fourth today all of them on defense we're going to knock the defensive side of the ball out first before we move on to the juicy offensive players the titans fans desperately want to see drafted into two-tone blue later this month but in case you haven't watched those when you're done watching or listening to this episode which today we're doing the top 10 edge defenders in this year's draft which you should know by the title of the episode. We had two episodes last week on the top 10 linebackers in the 2023 draft and the top 10 safeties in this year's draft. Both of those episodes, you should go check out to learn a bit bit about those positions. And then yesterday's show was the top 10 defensive tackles in the 2023 NFL draft, plus big money for Big Jeff. We discuss the breaking news over the weekend, Jeffrey Simmons getting his contract. And I give a little bit of insight into how that went down and what it might mean going forward. 
But today, JT, before we get into our top 10 edge defenders, and in terms of the most interesting board thus far, for me, it continues to get more and more interesting. I have more diverse opinions on the offensive players than I do the defensive players. I feel like, for the most part, the consensus in the in the draft community on these defenders, for me, has been relatively correct so far. I've not moved guys up and down my board a ton as compared to the consensus board today. I've got more movement than I've had so far for sure. I'm, I'm not sure if you found yourself disagreeing with the consensus more today or not. That was, that was the case for me. Are you there? Hello. Oh, was that where you passing that? That, to me? that was, that was an open-ended question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know. I thought you were, I know I was the, the inferred question was, was it for you? Did you find it? Oh, Did you find well, the consensus maybe... different? according to your opinion yeah, maybe maybe a little more inflection in your voice next time i know it was uh, it was poorly phrased it really was because i just kind of trailed off at the end uh and... yeah uh no okay <laughs> uh, i'm i'm very All much of that for a no. i'm very much different i think than you today mostly because my mindset of it is that there's five guys maybe even six for me who are most likely first round players so like right for for me there's like five or six guys who I feel very strongly that will go in the first round and then that only leaves you like four spots for guys who are going to go in the second round as well. So like it's a very stacked class. So like yeah. I, I get being cute but like the bottom line is there's a lot of good dudes and it gets down to being nitty-gritty with what you like better uh in on some guys versus some other guys we're like, splitting it's just hairs. how yeah. absolutely yeah we're splitting hairs on this um and i i didn't get cute in terms of moving guys up and down the draft board you're right this class of edge players is stacked we've been talking about it we mentioned it on yesterday's show we mentioned thinking that this edge class and this cornerback class and then maybe the tight end class were the top three positions in terms of both top end talent and depth i went and counted on the consensus draft board how many players at each position are in the top 100 projected players to go in the draft. And that's different from a big board because this is factoring in positional value as well. So like there's going to be less running backs that go off the board in the top 100. Doesn't mean that they're less talented as a group. It's because it's the position's not as valuable, more tackles, you know, more receivers, um, that kind of thing. But JT, I went through and, and tallied it all up the positions with the fewest players inside the top 100 quarterback and tight end as well as interior offensive linemen all only have six players in the top 100 and then the safety and linebacker groups that we've already covered have seven the defensive linemen that we covered yesterday have eight the smallest group is running backs only have five again that's a positional value thing there this is a very good running back class i wouldn't let that deter you from studying these running backs or listening to our running back episode that should be coming up soon they're worth listening to it's just you know players like Bijan Robinson who's a top three talent in the draft may not even go in the first round that's just the nature of the position the big boy positions are the ones you'd expect right it's wide receiver tackle edge and cornerback the most top 100 players by position belong to like we said yesterday like we guessed yesterday the cornerbacks and the edge players both of those positions have 15 guys in the top 100 and we had to Basically, take those 15 today and narrow it down to 10 and order them. I really the 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 difference for me from the consensus board in this grouping has much more to do with how I order the guys and much less to do with where I think they should go off the board. I, I too, think there's five or six guys that are first round talents. I just think 
maybe some of the guys that people think are the top three or maybe more the top six. And I have a guy or two that I think is maybe a fringe top 10 guy for some folks that I think is a bona fide first round talent and a top three player in this group. So I'm excited to talk about all that. But before we do, JT, I wanted to talk about an article that came out last night. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. And every week, as he does, I think year round, even in the offseason, Peter King over at NBC puts out his Football Morning in America article, which is fantastic. It is another staple within the NFL community. I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir. Our listeners are familiar with Peter King and his article, but it's one of those weekly, weekly um, releases that pretty much everyone in the NFL community, the media community, many in front offices they they make this appointment reading. And so I do that as well. I was sitting last night reading this article that that came out late last night for this morning. Um, and his opening story that he tells, I'm not going to poach as my own. I just want to uh, retell it because I think it is really poignant for this time of year and a great reminder as to what we can and maybe more importantly, can't expect to know about the draft before we get into it right before we actually get there. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to read the excerpt from the beginning. I'm not going to read you the whole article, go give him the clicks that he deserves, read the article. Um, most certainly not trying to steal his work here or discourage you from going and reading it because I'm going to read you maybe 5% of it here. The rest is arguably more interesting than this, but the story is fantastic. And the kind of thing that only the Peter Kings of the media world can give you because it's a story that's almost 40 years old. That's how long he's been working in NFL media. And so here's what he wrote. He said, I have a story for you. It's a draft story. It's 39 years old from my first month covering pro football on April 30th, 1984. I was a rookie beat reporter covering the Bengals for the Cincinnati Inquirer. And I walked into the riverfront stadium office of first year Bengals coach, Sam Weish to do a draft preview story. The 12 round draft was on May 1st and 2nd. And my preview story would be in the Inquirer on the morning. The draft kicked off. Big draft for the Bengals. They had three first-round picks, the 7th, 16th, and 28th overall pick. And then he goes on to say that Weish asked him when they got into the office, point blank, do you want to know who we're going to draft? He writes, has there ever been a question with a more obvious answer in journalism history? I don't think so. Weish said, as long as you don't phone anyone in other cities, as long as you don't share this information, I'll tell you. He said that he promised, and in those days, the Associated Press wire and landline telephones were the only ways to share deadline information about the draft. The AP Bureau in Cincinnati surely wouldn't rewrite a story from the morning paper in town with the beat writer's speculation on who the Bengals would choose. As strange as it sounded, Weish wasn't risking a damn thing sharing the information he was about to share. uh, Ostensibly, it uh, it got on the good side of the kid beat writer who was Peter King at the time in the first round. Weish said, we're going to take Rick Huntley linebacker out of Arizona with our first pick. Then we're thinking Boomer Esiason quarterback out of Maryland, the lefty or Brian Blatos guard, North Carolina. Hopefully we can get all three. He went on to later say they were looking at running back Stanford Jen- uh, Jennings out of Furman, Don Kern out of t- a tight end out of Arizona state and Bruce Kazerski center and long snapper out of Holy cross. Here's where the story gets very interesting in my opinion. So the next day in primitive draft coverage times in a makeshift media room at Riverfront Stadium, as the draft rolled over on ESPN, here come the Cincinnati picks, and they did exactly what they said they were going to do months earlier. Here's the sidebar. 
later in the afternoon, Peter heard the Bengals were flying Cock and or Koch and Esiason in from Baltimore to meet the local media. And Peter found the flight info. So he got in his car and drove to the Cincinnati airport. And this is what he writes detailing that part of the story. No security, no lines. Man, were those the days. I went to the gate of the arriving flight from Baltimore. When the flight disembarked, here came the tall Nordic blonde Esiason and the overbulked Koch and a member of the all lobby, definitely a member of the all lobby team. If there ever was one, I went up to them and introduced myself and said, I was there to drive them to the stadium to meet their new employers. The newspaper guy is driving us. A science, said incredulously the best part. They saw my car parked out in the parking lot and wondered how they both fit. A folded himself into the back seat, quasi bitterly saying, welcome, welcome to the effing NFL. After the draft, one of his editors saw him and asked him if he was Nostradamus for guessing the picks correctly in the newspaper article. And he said, no, he's just lucky. Uh, and then told him what happened. He said he was stunned and he still is to this day. Now, the reason I read you verbatim this story is because then Peter King goes on to contrast that with today's pre-draft environment in the media and in the, uh, I guess, front office ecosystem of the NFL. Today, things are a little bit different than that. He wrote, I thought about this Saturday evening when I was swapping info or trying to anyways with a well-connected operative from a team with a pick in the top 12 could be the Titans, by the way. This person said, quote, I don't know what's happening in front of us. Anything. Then he paused, quote, I'm not kidding. No one wants to hear that. But the longer I'm in the business, the more I absolutely believe the draft mystique until the final hours on that Thursday of the first round. As one agent with 30 years of experience told Peter King on Saturday, quote, the mocks this year are going to be laughable. So many guys repeating the same thing, trusting guys who might not know anything. That is wisdom coming from one of the elder statesmen of NFL media, one of the, the most reliable guys when it comes to his sourcing, his connections within the NFL. And it's a poignant reminder this time of year as we really ramp up our draft coverage, ramp up uh, discussing and anticipating what's going to be an awesome and very fun night for everybody. We don't know what's going on. We have no idea. Um, and so that's a intentionally bad way for us to transition into trying to tell you what's going to happen based on our valuation of these players, uh, which is fun. And frankly, JT, I think half the fun is the fact that no one ends up being totally right. If it was very easy to predict these things and NFL front offices and media members and draft analysts and scouts alike all agreed on these players, or it was easy to evaluate them, or it was easy to guess what other teams were going to do, then we'd just all be right every year. And, and we wouldn't have a reason to talk for three months about who's going to go where. That's half the fun, trying to guess and be right and figure out these teams before they tell you what they're doing, before they show their hand. And it, it's getting significantly more difficult these days. Um, I know that JT, you and I, our buddies, we do a draft pool every year where we all submit a first round mock at, on the day of. We put in our last guess at how the first round is going to go and then score that and, and put money in. And it's a it's a fun way to to gamble on the first round because, you know, it's what degenerates got to do. You got to find a way to put a little juice on everything when it comes to sports. I, usually the winner got like three or four picks exactly right. Maybe five. It's very, very difficult. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I remember thinking back, trying to go back. I think our best year was like during COVID. I think I got like, yeah, 
maybe 10 or 11 right that mm-hmm. year um not not to not to brag or anything but not I, i've brag. been sure. i've been i've been in the when we've for three I mean, years, you did lose the this. competition that year to me. So yes, not to, not to brag, but but, to it, but we went to the tie. Do you remember break. how I? Do you remember how? Yeah, yes. do you remember how I won that one? Good old Our tie breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the same number of points, and so we both took a guess at who would be the first player off the board in the second round. And I said, "Oh boy, T. Higgins, your your Bengals are taking T Higgins, bud." And, and I and I was like, I was like, Bengals pick. needed a linebacker, and I picked a linebacker who didn't go until the fifth round. So there you go. You know, like. <laughs> Just it, that's, how, that's how that's how it goes. Just yes. a bit outside. I, I, I'm a little scared for this year because if if we are like in our little friend pool there, that's going to do this again. If we are the people that are informed and we're scared about how oh, well we're going to do, I don't think they're going to get ones. Well, and we don't have an excuse maybe. anymore, right? No, we, we're we really spo- don't. We're yeah. we are supposed to win this pool, um, and so naturally we're not going to. We're like every college basketball analyst who enters the draft pool with their family and then grandma wins and they come in dead last, even though it's their job to know these things. It's just the way that the world works. All right. Speaking of knowing things, JT, you and I know a thing or two about this edge class because we've been doing our homework in anticipation for today's episode. We are almost at the 20 minute mark. So without further ado, let's get into our top 10. We've been mentioning our honorable mentions before we get into our top 10 list. I've not looked yet at your list, JT, because I always find it more fun to to compare and contrast once we are recording and I can react genuinely and not have to be the uh, I, I just can't stand the or do that one more time. All right. Pretend pretend that you're reading it for the first time. I can't I can't do it. It's it's bogus. So I'm taking a look here and good. OK, so we don't have the exact same draft board. There's some there's some differences on our big boards here. I don't see you having written down any honorable mentions i don't have any either so if you don't have any i'm happy to just jump into our top 10 does that sound all yeah, right? yeah i mean there's a bunch outside the our top 10 you can okay like, that's why i didn't do it either because there's, there's like 10 like of them Derek hall byron young just to name but like yep. th- like you you know that they're gonna be like i didn't do any of them because there's nothing else to say but like yeah these guys are still gonna be third round picks they might be late second third round picks they're still really good but like yeah. they're the all sake going of to doing be top two, 10 maybe like... day three guys right <laughs> yeah. yeah Derek Hall out of Auburn Andre Carter the second out of Army which is a guy that's really fallen down draft boards I remember him being very high very early Zach Harrison out of Ohio State Byron Young out of Tennessee like these are guys that are all still th- those four I just listed are all still within the top 100 and yet they're not on either of JT or I's draft board top 10 for the uh, defensive edge guys, the guys that we do have on our big boards here. Let's see. How do we want to break this up? Let's do the first four on our boards, seven through 10, because that's, that's kind of how we've been doing it. Yeah. Well, no, we've been doing five and five. I want to cut off to four and six here. And I think you can tell looking ahead why I might want to do that. Yeah. So I'll run down mine here first. Okay. Yeah. Read us off Um, your, your 10th through seventh guy at the number 10 spot. I have Keon white from Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Felix Nduke Uzama from Kansas State. Number seven, Adi Tamiwa Adam Barwe from Northwestern. Enough, Flub that. that, it's okay. Count, We're good. The, the and then uh, number six, BJ Ojulari from LSU. Okay, relatively similar for me. I have Adi Tamiwa Adabare out of Northwestern as my number 10 edge defender. Felix Anadike Uzama out of Kansas State is my edge nine. Miles Murphy out of Clemson is my edge eight. And BJ Ojolari is my edge seven. Let's start with Let's JT. start with the ones we have the same. Yeah, so that's, that what was, that's what I was that's what I was gonna once. say. So we we both think that BJ Ojolari 
Felix Anadike Uzama and Adetamiwa Adabare are all in this bottom half of the top 10. Why don't we start with the Northwestern product himself, Adetamiwa Adabare. I'm going to say it as many times <laughs> as I can because I'm very proud that I've nailed this pronunciation at this point. JT, you can start here. What were your <laughs> thoughts on Adetamiwa and uh, his game, the tape, and everything you looked over on his part? So a, a trend with, of course, I always have a trend for these top tens, it seems, Indeed. but, but one, especially today is just speed, like yep. speed on the edge is something that's my favorite. And that's probably speed maybe kills. why I have him a little bit higher than you do. He ran a four, four, nine 40, which is the fastest ever for a player over 280 plus pounds. He's 282 last weigh in six, two big dude who runs super fast. Um, that's a 97th percentile 40 time by the, by the yeah. way. Um, he's so got not explosiveness just fast for a big guy, he, fast for any guy. Yeah. Uh, if he's got the explosiveness, if he can refine some of those traits on the outside and work on his moves a little bit, getting to the quarterback a little bit, he, he did, he did really well last year getting to the quarterback 80.3 pass rush grade. Um, but it wasn't in that upper echelon tier of elite guys in this, mm -hmm. in this, in this class. So, um, but yeah, that's speed crazy, man. It is crazy. You look at his, um, mock draftable web and his measurements across the board from an athleticism, explosiveness, agility, size standpoint, they're all great except for one. And that's his height at six, one and five eighths inches. He's fourth percentile for height, not super tall, but he's got really good length despite not being very tall. He's uh, 63rd percentile arm length, almost 34 inch arms, just an eighth of an inch off. And then his weight, like you mentioned, 282, that's 87th percentile. His bench press, broad jump, vertical jump, 40 yard dash, 10 yard split. All of those are above, almost above the 75 percentile mark. His 10 yard split is 73rd percentile. His vert and his broad jump were both nearly in the 90s. So this guy's explosive. And he's really big and he's got nice length. He's just not tall. So on paper, I'm with you. There's not anything to dislike about this guy. You go and you look at his year on year progress in college. He improved every single year. Man, it sounds like I'm starting to talk myself into moving him up my board, but I'm, I've got <laughs> reasons why in just a moment that I wasn't a huge fan of his. So, so give me a second. But his run stop rate was on par with the average 5.7%, well above average pass rush win rate 14.3 percent he he had a pretty consistent year i mean you look at his game on game performance and there's not a ton of outliers he, he has one outlier against maryland had an awesome game best of his year and then followed that up with an outlier game against iowa a very good team mind you um or, well one of the better teams he faced in terms of uh uh talent at least not a, very good as strong okay they've got a very good unit in the defense their offense not quite as much but um, besides those two games, very consistent player. The things about him that made me, and again, I, he's my, he's my 10th edge in the, in a class of stud edges. So I would take this guy on, on day two in a heartbeat. If he's still there for you in the third round, pull, pull the trigger. The things that I weren't crazy about with him are his play strength on tape. Don't quite match the play strength that I think you could project based on, based on his measurements and his combine performance and all of that. And he still looks like he's 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 just a little bit raw in his technique, right? Like we talked a lot yesterday about hand usage. We talked about um, speed to power. And those things are nice for him, but he doesn't have a ton of diversity in his toolbox from a pure edge rusher standpoint. 
He's not the bendiest guy out there. He, he plays a little bit stiff. So there were just certain things. It was really the tape for me that made me think this guy has a ceiling pretty comparable to a lot of these other guys. I think that he could be a stud edge rusher in the NFL. He's got the size for it, at least. I just I'm not sure if he's going to be a guy you can plug and play. He may take a year or two to really develop into that star player. Let's move on to our second one that we had in common here in BJ Ojolari. We both ranked him our oh, seventh yeah. best, I believe. Seventh, sixth, uh-huh. seven, seventh best um, on both of our lists. He is an interesting guy that I put at seventh mostly because um, he's really his productive. Brother, obviously, that's <laughs> yeah, of and, and, his brother. Yeah, that's he's it. got a brother and in the NFL. All right, the next guy we're going to talk about is. <laughs> He he's he was really productive during his time at LSU. Crazy productive. 127 pressures in three years. The thing that just like held him back from being, I think, and what will hold him back from being a first round guy is just he he's a little undersized, and it, it, with that lack of size, a lack of power. That just yep. he's not a guy who's going to be a bull rusher, um, but he's got the traits to be able to still get to the quarterback, um, which was what I makes him still desirable but just not as desirable as some of these like mammoth of people on the outside here in this draft (laughs) class but still production wins out in the in the nfl and if if a team can find him and make him still super productive in the nfl he's going to be a great steal in the second round yeah i agree this dude's a a twitchy twitchy player that's the number one thing that jumped out to me on tape he's a a pure pass rusher he's very very talented uh, coming around the edge 21 years old at 6'2", 248. He's very small for the position, 15th and 10th percentiles, respectively. His broad jump and vertical jump are much better. So despite his size, the twitchiness translates to his testing. He's got some explosiveness to him. Very big hands does not matter. Um, but his arm length is impressive despite being short. Again, these shorter guys for edge for edge players, if they're short, and they're a highly ranked edge player. You can almost guarantee that they are going to have longer than than you expect arms. And this guy does 34 and a fourth inch arms. That's 77th percentile. So reach wise, not going to be concerned trying to come around the edge. If this guy were to go higher than we expect, and just for reference, reference, good job, Easton reference. He is the 46th overall player on the consensus draft board on NFL mock draft database. He is their edge one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So you and I are higher on him than the consensus. We have him as our edge seven. The things about him that I thought he could end up proving some folks wrong with in their evaluation. The thing that I constantly saw, well, not constantly, but a couple of places I saw where folks were just not crazy about him. And for this reason, I, I kind of disagree entirely. The reason why I think that he could be a bigger deal than most folks are anticipating is his explosiveness off the edge and and how he how he uses his pass rush moves. How can I phrase this? He He's one of the better guys when it comes to not pulling a pass rush move out of his butt and just going with it because he hadn't tried it in a while. He, he seems to, at least on tape and from folks that have studied him even more than I, than I have, have pointed this out in different videos that I've watched. He tailors the way that he approaches the game plan, not just from a defensive line standpoint, but from his standpoint, very intentionally, he seems to tailor his moves to what his opponents are worst at. He's got a very, unlike uh, the last player we talked about in Adebowale, he does have a pretty nice 
toolbox of of moves that he can employ against the offensive lineman he goes up against. When you look at his numbers from college, he had three good years, not really any improvement, but he started with a very, very high floor, 70s for all of his PFF grades in his three years in college, well above average pass rush grade, well above average true pass set pass rush grade well above average pass rush win rate at almost 20%. His run stop rate is four and a half percent. And that's why he's not higher for me. He's not a run stopper. He's not super versatile in that way. And he doesn't have the size to be versatile in the way that you could maybe kick him, kick him inside um, in, in one of the, one of the gaps. He's a true edge player. So he, he had nice sack production in college. The, the thing that I think po- folks get upset with JT, and I don't know if you were seeing a lot of this, but, a lot of folks try to box these edges into categories based almost exclusively on how well they were to, able to get after the quarterback and, and sack the quarterback in college. And in college, sacks are are just as, if not more, fluky and non-predictive a stat as they are in the NFL. Some of these college programs simply don't ask these stars to try to sack the quarterback, whereas some just say, pin your ears back and go. Right. Like it's it's difficult for me. And I'm curious if it was the same way for you watching Georgia guys, for example, who clearly aren't being asked to try to sack the quarterback. They're being asked to contain or to pressure or collapse the pocket or or respect the run or whatever it may be. Whereas you look at a guy like, I don't know. Um, I mean, this is a decent example of one, but is can you think off the top of your head, any of these edge guys that you were just like, how did they have so many sacks? How are they so explosive from a production standpoint? It's typically the schools where they're the stud on defense, right? Like they are a pack pack 10 or maybe a, um, a smaller ACC school. And it's like, this is the dude on the team that you have to, to defend against like a, a Georgia tech guy, for example, that we may be talking about here in a couple of minutes. So those were my thoughts on him, JT. There's one guy you had in your, bottom half of the top 10 that I did not. And that person is, do you know off the top of your head? I've forgotten already. Keon <laughs> um, uh, White. Keon White. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Georgia Tech guy that I was referencing, tell me what you thought about Keon White. He's on my board as well, but I have him higher. Yeah. So Keon White for me, um, once again, it kind of just when I look at his game, um, I think there is somebody that just did everything that he does better <laughs> you know yes um, it, he's kind of the public's brand of this class like if you're looking for the off brand that's still very good keon white's yes. your guy um and, and so keon white um he was still productive in his only year starting at georgia tech um yeah. and, and it kind of came out of the gate flying against clemson with his uh yeah, one of his best games of the year uh, 81.3 grade in that game he's a really good pass rusher there's just um a lot of guys in this class that also pass rush and have the more size and ability that you're looking for. Um, and, and, and his size is still really good. He's six, five 285, and he's got good speed, but there are bigger guys 280 plus who also just have really good speed as well. Um, and when I look at it, I, I think his tape's really impressive, but also, and you can agree with me with this on or not, like even though, he has comparable speed to some of these guys, the play that in competition that some of these other guys were playing against is just a lot better and more closer to the NFL level. Yeah, I agree. This is a guy that I don't know if you saw this in your study of him, but there's a reason why he doesn't have a whole lot of experience at the edge position. 
he changed positions in college. He started at Old Dominion as a tight end, I believe, his first two seasons, and then spent his last two seasons uh, with Georgia Tech. Or was he with Georgia Tech just his last season? I forget. Uh, he, he at least started with Georgia Tech this last season. Okay, so uh, yeah, he's got at least one season with Georgia Tech and then at least two with Old Dominion, but at a different position. Uh, you saw a lot of rapid improvement from, from him. Um, like you mentioned, he came out of the gate swinging despite not having a, a lifetime of, of experience at the edge position. This guy, if I had to describe his game in one word, it's explosive, and that gets thrown away uh, around way too often with draft discourse. But this guy truly is explosive off the edge. His size and speed combo is really ridiculous. For reference on the consensus board, he is edge one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He is my edge five. So whereas you're more in line with the consensus JT, I think that this guy has all the goods to, to be a stud in the NFL. And really the, the number one reason why I am higher on him than most is because of maybe the same reason you're lower on him. This guy is really well-rounded and really similar to some of the guys that are being considered as top 10 picks at the edge position. He's just slightly worse than them in a lot of categories, but I think he's not a whole lot worse. And I think that he's getting discounted too much for being the, maybe the runt of the elite edge litter. You look at his web on mockdraftable.com. He's, he's not got a weakness anywhere. Height, weight, length, vertical, broad jump, bench press. All of them are at or above average. His height and weight, 6'5", 285, so 79th and 91st percentiles. 34-inch arms, 69th percentile. His vertical and broad are both above average. And he's got a really impressive bench press. So like his play strength is, is just as impressive as his size, his explosive tendencies work really well. Um, and it's the reason I I'm guessing probably more of the reason why his repertoire is a little bit on the smaller side. Another reason for that is because again, he's played this position for at most two years, maybe just one. I think he's a second or a third round guy in a heartbeat. I would take him in the second. Um, if I was a team looking for an edge player and and some of the best guys were already off the board, I expect him to be the best guy on my edge board still available on day two. But if he went at the end of the first round, wouldn't shock me, whereas it may shock a lot of other folks. He played primarily at edge um, in, in his time at Georgia Tech, and his skill set certainly matches that better than uh, the other positions they had him play in. But his size is something that he uses to his advantage very, very well. When you look at his stats from last year, played in 12 games, almost 600 defensive snaps, got to the quarterback seven times with seven sacks and four hits, 30 QB hurries. So this guy was laying on the pressure on a regular basis. Very, very elite numbers from a run defense grade and a pass rush win rate metric and a very above average run stop rate. Whereas I wasn't as high on the last guy we mentioned because of the fact that he wasn't as versatile. Keon white does have that versatility as a run stopper an edge rusher. And I think he also with his size, frankly has the versatility to move and be a three down player that you can move inside and outside a little bit of that JJ Watt archetype where you've got a guy who's a very talented edge player, but has the size and the skills necessary to wreak havoc on the inside if you need to line them up between a tight end or a tight end and a tackle or a tackle and a guard. 
I think that you absolutely could have him be uh, up front in a 4-3 look and he would be just fine. Um, it's really just that repertoire and the experience that I want him to build on. But the reason why I have him so high is, again, he's very raw. He's changed positions. I think he's not even near his ceiling at this position, despite already being 24 years old and a red shirt senior. I throw those things out the window because in terms of being an edge player, this guy's really young. Yeah, and that's why he's probably ultimately my number 10. It's because he's young, but he's probably out of all 10 on my list here. He's the most raw, right? Like these yeah, other no, guys are a little bit more experienced, which is why he moves to my 10. The last guy out of our seven through 10 here is uh, Felix Nduke Uzama, yes. who we both had at number nine. Yeah, so you want to start with your thoughts on him? Yeah, so I'll start with him. Um, and some people might question why we have him so low considering uh, his stats over the last two years. I mean, he had 21 sacks the last yes. two years. Um, but once again, sacks are not everything, right? No. I think after you take it away, his playmaking ability, he has that, which merits him a top 10 um, spot on this list here. His all-around play is just it leaves a little bit to be desired. He has yep. the size and he has the ability. He's 6'3", 255, so he's not as big as some of these guys in the weight area. Mm -hmm. However, he still is able to get it done on the outside. He's just, besides the playmaking ability of getting to the quarterback, he leaves a little bit more to be desired outside of some of these other guys. No, I agree. From a measurement standpoint, he's not a shrimp by any means, but he is a making sure yeah he's below average on all of these metrics arm length right at uh 49 so an average arm length um which come on load there we go 33 and a half inch arms six three and an eighth inches tall 255 pounds his weight is probably the most concerning of those metrics when you look at how he produced in college you're totally right the 13 and eight sacks he had in the last two years are very tasty looking for a lot of NFL teams. He's got an above average run stop rate of 8.1. It's actually borderline elite. He does have an elite pass rush win rate number at 15.9%. And his grades on all of those things are average or well above average. A consistent player game to game kind of tailed off towards the end of the year last year. Makes you wonder whether or not when he started to play better competition or maybe things got a little bit more stiff in terms of the nerves, the, the things at stake. Maybe he gets a little bit tight in the spotlight, or maybe he's a guy that knows he's going to be a stud in the NFL and he's kind of phoning it in to end the year. Looking at overall at this player, very, very bendy. That's the number one thing on tape that stood out to me, JT. Bend is another word that's thrown around like crazy, and it's a marquee trait you're looking for in edge defenders. How well they can they contort their body and get around the corner to get to the quarterback in the most efficient possible path? This dude has it. He's able to consistently get underneath offensive tackles and uh, it makes his life a lot easier and, and it makes him capable of overcoming the size differential. He can improve in an area of just setting the edge as a run defender. He's he's good, but not great. And on tape, a number of times you see the ball carrier get around the edge on him. And uh, that that's something that he just needs to work on his positioning. But he can be an every down edge player. I don't see him as a guy that's limited in his rotational ability. His tape demonstrates his ability to play on every down and in most every situation as an edge guy. So I think he's going to be a good, not great second round player. Uh, not a whole lot of, of 
additional information from me. Um, JT, I think that does cover our, our first five guys we mentioned. And so we can move to the next crop of them. Um, oh, no, not quite. Not quite. There's one more guy who you're higher on than me. He's my, um, let's see here. He's my defensive edge eight. Number and that's, eight. Yeah, and number mine, eight, Miles Murphy. My number five. Yes, that's Miles Murphy out of Clemson. So I can go ahead and explain why I have him a little bit lower than you, certainly lower than the consensus. On the consensus board, Miles Murphy is edge four, the 16th overall player, definitely a first round draft pick according to the, the consensus. But for me, I don't think that he's worthy of that. Do I think he's not going to go in the first round? It wouldn't shock me at all. I, I mean, I would even potentially put money on it depending on the line you could get. But I think that teams are probably a little bit higher than than uh, I am on him. The things about him that stood out to me, JT, that I just was not a fan of, as I pull up his measurement numbers here, it, it wasn't his measurement numbers, although he does have one very fun one. I feel bad for this guy. You look at his web and he's got one that just doesn't exist. That's his hand size. He's the zeroth percentile. Zeroth. I don't, I don't know. The, 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 I don't even think that's a percentile. I'm pretty sure percentiles go one to 99. I don't think you can be zero. Somehow he <laughs> is at eight and a half inch hands. But other than his very tiny itty bitty baby hands, he's got good height, good weight, 70th and 60th percentile. He's almost north of 270 and almost north of 6'4". He's got decent length, 33 and three fourths inch uh, arms right around the average. His production in college was relatively consistent, although he did peak in his first year in terms of his PFF grade, an 85 in his first year, looked like an elite, elite player, and then had good years of 79s um, in 2021 and 2022, an above-average rusher, an above-average above run stopper. So, Easton, what is it that you don't love about this guy? I really don't like the way that he bends. I really don't like the way that he utilizes his hips. Again, It's again on tape, and th that was kind of the common theme for me. I was looking at the numbers on these guys and reading breakdowns and looking into statistics and was like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I like that, I like that. And then I watched the tape, and I'm like, hang on a second. That, this is not the same thing that I was reading. I'm not seeing what I was reading. His, his approach to the edge position is a little bit different. In, in my opinion, than some of these other guys, he does do a very good job. Obviously he's being considered a first round draft pick, but, but generally speaking, transitioning his game from college to the NFL, I think that the way that he is unrefined in his bendiness, unrefined in his, um, just center of gravity and the way that again, he doesn't bend at the hips the way that you would really want somebody to at the edge position. Um, his bull rush, he's sinking way too often. He would be unstoppable. If, if he was able to, to, uh, to, to sit in that bull rush a little bit more, a little bit more consistently and a little bit more effectively, I guess, is the way that I'm trying to, to portray this. His speed to power is also just, it's fine. It's not great. I think he's going to be an every, every down edge player for sure. He's got good power, but his speed just isn't really there for me. So if he wins in the NFL, if he's better than I think that he's going to be, it's going to be just as a powerful bull rusher whose technique is polished by the coaches that he goes to play for. I think he's fine, but not great. You think he's got some great potential. What did you see in Miles Murphy? I do. The The word that you use right there, powerful, is the one that I had on the first thing I said in my there's notes. There's no doubt. And he is a powerful dude. He is a really big and powerful dude. I believe he is 6'4", six, 6'4", six, yeah, six, and 5'8". Uh, I believe his weigh-in here, he weighed a little bit less than what he did in... Um, 
college. So actually, compared to his uh, a couple different websites, um, with Mock Draftable, he's 268. So 70th percentile and 60th percentile respectively um why i have him a a little bit higher than you on my board of course he is my number five he is your number eight i think he has one of the highest floors of any player i mean if you're going to look at what he's going to produce in this first year i i'm kind of projecting him to be a trayvon walker kind of level production without the hype like trayvon walker was still a fine player this past year it's just uh, as the first overall uh you were expecting a little bit more out of him personally um i think a lot of their their metrics kind of add up a little bit to the same as well um miles murphy is nowhere near sniffing the top uh five to ten although someone could really fall in love with him um exactly me too where he could fall i've seen 10 to 15 the top like Um, 10 11 12 i yeah, not not yeah, for me, but it's just I think he's going to have the same production and he's got that consistent production that maybe like Trayvon Walker had last season, except he just doesn't have the hype. So he's not going to get like crucified for it like Trayvon Walker did. Yeah. All right. How about we take the next six guys? We've got six through one. Let's do groups of three. So let's do our six through four here. My edge six is Keon White out of Georgia Tech. I've already mentioned him. We've talked about him. My edge five is Nolan Smith out of Georgia. And my edge four, I'm a little bit lower on this guy, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. JT, who are your next three guys? So my number six, which is this is going to be one spoiler alert, maybe a little bit. That's going to have the highest difference between both of us here. Will McDonald out of Iowa State. Number five, Miles Murphy, who we just talked about. And then number four, Nolan Smith from the University of Georgia. So let's start with him because he is my number four and your number five. Mm -hmm. I'll let you take the floor first with him. Sure. So he is one of those guys that we came away from the combine and he was the buzz, right? He was in this position group, one of the two or three guys who most impressed folks. I joked on Twitter a couple of weeks ago about how his web on mock draftable, it's literally the time 10, 1030. I don't know if this is reverse, but like <laughs> he's got nothing filled in for height, weight, arm length, hand size, and everything filled in for broad jump, vertical jump, 40 yard dash, 10 yard split. Dude is a shrimp with four rockets up his butt. That That is the best way that I can describe Nolan Smith. His height, six, two and an eighth, 15th percentile weight, second percentile, 238. I'm going to repeat that edge player, 238. Arm length, 32 and five eighths inches, only 17th percentile hand size, nine inches, fifth percentile. Now, the freaky athleticism. All 95 or better for the next four numbers. 10-yard split, 1-5-2. 40-yard dash, 4-3-9. 4-3, sub-4-4, 40-yard dash. And by the way, he mentioned at his pro day that he wished he'd been able to run it again because that was like, the, according to him, the very slowest time that he had been then putting up. He thinks he can run much faster than that. Vertical jump, 41 and a half inches, 98th percentile. Broad jump, 128 inches, 95th percentile. He's he's His legs are springs. His his muscles are, are jet fuel. Like this guy has the juice, okay? From a college production standpoint, I'm going to pull up his numbers on PFF here because he's one of those guys, the Georgia defense, it's just difficult to figure out how he's going to translate to the NFL because the Georgia defense has so many studs year in and year out. It's really hard to be able to tell who is going to play where and and how well. The last two years, 
He had an 83.8 and 85 PFF grade. Okay, because this guy's a stud. Like, there's no denying he's very good at pretty much everything. His pass rush grade, run defense grade, run stop win rate, all in the ceiling of the elite. His run stop rate is almost off of this chart here, 14.9%. His pass rush win rate, if you've been paying attention to these that I've been mentioning with guys, it's been all in the teens, right? 25.5% pass rush win rate. This guy eats rushing the passer. He's not a big sack guy. He doesn't have the, the sack numbers that people love to laud. He has, uh, is that right? That's a typo. I'm going to double check this on the other. Yeah, okay. They, that's a mistake on this website. He had two last year and seven the year before. Not a whole lot of hits either, five and three, but hurries. He's got 30 of those in the last two years. So he's getting after the quarterback in his ability to win, as demonstrated by his pass rush win rate. Don't be deceived by those numbers. That is a result of the Georgia defensive line being quirky statistically as compared to the rest of them. He's somebody that really, when you hear him talked about around the league, if he was, JT, I don't even know, 20 pounds heavier and an inch and a half taller, he would be a bona fide top five edge player and probably a top 15 pick in this draft. I, I have no doubt in my mind. The problem is really primarily his size. It's hard to find an issue with anything else he does. This is from NFL.com. It was a quote from an anonymous NFC scout, a national scout. So one of the big boys in an NFC front office, he said about Nolan Smith, quote, you worry about him holding up for 17 games with his size, not worried about the toughness but I'm just not sure if he can carry more weight without it slowing him down. So that's the concern. Teams have been doing medical evaluations on him, trying to get his BMI, trying to figure out th through science and technology, how many pounds can we put on this guy without him slowing down? And some teams are going to think we just can't make this guy faster or make, make this guy bigger without making his speed, which is his winning trait disappear because quickness truly is the thing that he is, is amazing at JT. When you watch the tape, was it that speed around the edge that stood out to you as well? Oh, for sure. Totally. Like, I mean, a four, three, nine, 40, he, he captivated both of us and, and the rest of the he media section. More like, more like a, a cornerback blitzing off the edge, like a, a nickel he really corner does. Than, a, than um, an edge player. While, while none of this really matters, it's just kind of funny to look at. Of course, mock draftable is a, a good little tool, but I just have to laugh. Like you have like his comparisons of his webs, with like edge players and then also just his athletic traits compared to everyone. Right. Like some of the people that he most like closely like is next to is like Cordell Patterson, Rasheed Rice from this year <laughs> and Adrian Peterson. So right, like, right. right. A <laughs> and bunch this of guy's, a, this guy's an edge. Players. Yeah. Um, no. it, it, but like, it, the production is still there, even though um, it is. And it's, it's kind of a shame that he, tore his I think it was a torn pectoral that ended his season early this I past so. season yeah um it, it would have been really interesting to see especially in that college championship push what he could have done and maybe if he could have played against these bigger named competition if, if his stock could have rise but uh rose I guess is the correct risen, <laughs> risen right. whatever every, uh, <laughs> every ever all of them. all the tenses um but yeah, he's just a little smaller than you would like him to be. However, I am one of those people who wouldn't be surprised if we see him go. You said, I don't, bit, you, I don't care. Is basically I don't care. Thing. And <laughs> right. I think there might be <laughs> yeah. a couple of teams who 
are just salivating at, at the thought of him being on your outside mm-hmm. um, and could pick him anywhere between the eighth pick all the way to the 12th pick. Um, and that maybe has to do with he's one of these other players, like I said yesterday with Kalijah Kansi, that if you put him in the right in the right scheme with the right other people on the line there, that he's going to be not your main piece on that defensive line. But com- if he's just paired up with another stud on that defensive line, like it's going to be a lot harder to stop him. Okay. The last two guys we have to talk about here, are Tyree Wilson and Will McDonald. I want to start if, if we can JT, can we start with Tyree Wilson? Sure. Because I've got Will McDonald high, much higher than you. And I want to, I kind of want to save him because he's a guy that I have to rant on. So let's talk about Tyree Wilson, who is my edge four. He's your edge three spoiler. Sorry. Um, but, but give me your thoughts on Tyree Wilson. This is, we're going from, let's just cover all the outliers while we're at it. Right. Because from a athleticism standpoint, the ultimate outlier in this group is Nolan Smith. And from a size standpoint, the ultimate outlier is Tyree Wilson. His production doesn't quite match the, 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 the altitude in which he's being projected to go like a top three player. I saw Chris Sims today talking about how he thinks he's a lock for the Cardinals at the third overall pick. We'll see about that. I think that teams would be really, really buying into him a little bit too much, buying into the traits. This is a projection-based guy for sure. How did you project him, JT? Um, same thing. I th- he's he's not going to fall out of like the top twenty. It's just really no. hard right now, considering that he really hasn't done any athletic testing, especially with that injury. Like, what? I'm not someone who's always like. I need to see it. But with him, when you have all these other guys who did their athletic testing and are like known commodities, it's really hard to like see where he could like rank with all them. I think let let me stop you there because that's, that's the thing known commodities with guys like Bryce young, who their athletic testing wasn't going to be the thing that sold them anyways. Right. He could have tested and you've been like, yeah, yeah, but it's small, whatever. That's the only knock, but look at the tape. Okay. We we can just go based off the tape. Tyree Wilson's the opposite. The thing that he was going to win and and uh, improve his draft stock on was the testing, and he did, but he but he didn't do a lot of it because he's got a, a broken foot that he's still ailing. I think he's broken the same foot twice now. He's dealt with multiple injuries that have cut his uh, college career shorter than it otherwise could have been. He's not a guy that can rely on that tape. The tape tells you he should be going in the second round, but his traits tell you he might be the first overall pick. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that he maybe lacks compared to these other top four or five guys is that he's just not as explosive and with his size yeah. you might want to see him be a little bit more explosive if you're like if you want to say he's like should be the third overall pick right like mm-hmm. you want more explosiveness in a guy who is uh six six and 271 you know like it, that's yep. like I, that's how i'm expecting a third round overall pick to be like if you're that size you have to back it up a little bit he ultimately does not have that but i'm still not going to knock his size and what he was able to do at that size sure. in his college play which is why i'm going to stick him at three yeah let's we keep talking about his size let's let's clarify just how big this guy is yeah. six six and an eighth inches tall 95th percentile 271 pounds, um, 68th percentile. So a big guy who is, he carries that weight well because he's so freaking tall. It's the length that is ridiculous though. And with the edge player, the, the, the matchup on the edge of the trenches between the edges and the tackles, that's the number one thing we talk about, right? What's the length like? Who's going to get the upper hand? Who's got the reach on their opponent? Who's going to be able to 
capitalize on getting their hands on somebody and keeping them from getting their hands on you. Tyree Wilson's that guy from, from all of the available data, his wingspan somehow is significantly more impressive than his height. Six, six and an eighth inches tall. You're sitting there thinking, Oh, awesome. Very cool. The average person, JT, your wingspan is equivalent to your height. It's supposed to be roughly equivalent. Now, if you have longer arms than usual, they'll be bigger, shorter arms than usual. It'll be shorter at six, six, his wingspan is seven, two, his wingspan is an inch shorter than Giannis Antetokounmpo is tall. This guy's got arms for days. He's got pockets on his knees. Like that's this kind of guy. And I remember you and I watching him walk around. He did an interview with the NBC booth in the radio row at the combine. And he walks past and we both are just mouths agape. He's a wonder to see in person. It's really ridiculous. His athletic. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, like, super Chandler Jones vibes with, yes. with him, yep, yep, like yep, with yep, his yep. size and everything. That's what I was going to say. Like mm-hmm. if, if you, if you're looking, if you're like just listening to us and want to like, and haven't seen this guy and want to like just imagine what him. he looks like. Yeah. Just like Chandler Jones, maybe with his play, not so much Chandler Jones, maybe a little bit like a Chandler Jones light, but like his size and like what he looks like. Right. And the frustrating element to this is again, we can't talk about what we think about him from a traits standpoint, or excuse me, from a um, athletic testing standpoint, because he hasn't done athletic testing. He's been dealing with that foot injury and it's kept him off the field. Now he's considered uh, a guy that's not really a concern this year in the NFL. He's going to be good to go by then, but in the pre-draft process, it's been difficult. All we have are his measurements and not his testing numbers. He's versatile though, based on his tape, you can tell that this is somebody that you can play inside or out just because of his size and overwhelming power. That's the beauty of his unique physical situation, I guess. He can improve with this technique for sure. So he's more raw. If he had some of the finesse that some of these other smaller guys had, he would be, in my mind, a bona fide top 10 pick. But because he's got some work to do there, I, I think folks need to to wait a little bit on him, frankly. He's easily the, the biggest outlier from a physical standpoint. But uh, wherever he goes, they need to get him in a gym and, you know, like take a boxing lesson or something, because the way that he uses his hands, the way that he sets his hips, the the level that he plays with his pads, it's it's often just a little bit off. He's not wildly out out in left field by any means, but general placement and technique needs some work. I think that it'll be a year or two in the NFL before he reaches that true potential in terms of his technique, but the size length play style, it's all good from a statistical standpoint, really bad first year in college in 2020, but then in 21 and 22 had well above average years. He's got an elite run stop rate of 10% an elite pass rush win rate North of 20%, 22.3% and had a relatively consistent year started out with one amazing game um, and then was pretty consistent from there on out. So yeah, I really like him. He's JT. There's another player by the name of Bryce young in this draft who I have described in this way, but he is in the edge group, the player who my official opinion is, I think they're going to be a really, really good NFL player. And I would really like for a team other than my own to take him. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to uh, take a, a gamble on him. I'll, I'll happily be a fan of his, watch him wreck the league on another team, hopefully a team that doesn't have to play the team that I root for. Um, But it also would not shock me at all if he's one of those guys that you look at his numbers. Our grandkids look at at his numbers when they're pulling up the the, the 2072 uh, mock draftable webs, and then there's a stud in the draft who's compared physically to him, 
And then folks are like, wait a second, in 2023, Tyree Wilson, look at this guy. Look at the size on this guy. He, Why do I not know this guy is? Like, why did he flame out? And you're just, you're wondering where this guy went because from a physical standpoint, he had the goods. He concerns me a little bit on that, on that, on that front. Do I think he's going to flame out? No, but of my top five guys, if I had to say who's the most likely to, to be out of the league in five years, if somebody was a disaster, I'd say it's Tyree, Tyree Wilson. I, I, I just don't, uh, I, 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 yeah, I'm at a loss of words a little bit because I don't, I don't know how to describe the, <laughs> yeah. the conflicting brain of he's so big though. And he might stink though. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's let's Tyree move on Wilson. to the, the top three here. Of yes. Course. Let's talk, uh, to the, let's talk so, about the top three. And I'm going to, I'll, we'll, we'll run down our top threes here and then I'll let you have the floor because I think you're just, you're just itching to, 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 to talk about this guy. So with my top three, of course, just talking about Tyree Wilson, he's my number three, number two, my boy, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. And then of course, know. no surprise. And I'm assuming no surprise on your list either. Will Anderson from Alabama. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and talk about Will Anderson? We can just get him out of the way. I, I hate that we end on a boring note with the thing everyone already knew. Yeah. Let's you want just, to do let's... Will Anderson, your boy, and then our and then collective Van boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we'll do. So Will Anderson, we'll be brief on him because you've heard all about him, right? He was the projected number one overall draft pick after two years ago in college, him and Bryce young were like, Oh, they're going to go one, two man. And then we're here and they still are going to go both top five. One would imagine. So they, they live up to the billing. He's been a stud for a very long time from a measurement standpoint. He brings plenty of everything to the table. If anything, he's a little bit light, but that is, I think uh, just a result of him playing faster and more ferociously. If he wanted to put on some more weight onto that frame, I think he absolutely could. He's at 253 right now, which is third 23rd percentile, but he's almost six, four, which is right around the 50th percentile. So again, I think he could get bigger if he wanted to. I think his size is more a result of a choice so that he can play faster and a little bit leaner arm length, perfectly good, just short of 34 inch arms. His 40-yard dash is nearly the 90th percentile at 4-6 flat. 10-yard split, even better, 1-6-1. Uh, that's the 73rd percentile. There's not a whole lot to even mention from his college statistic, uh, his college statistical uh, achievements because it's just nonsense. It's, in it's incredible. His 2021 season in particular, he was a beast. And I love JT, how we talk about how, well, yeah, I mean, he'd probably be the number one overall pick if he hadn't had a little bit of a step back last year. His step back was according to PFF graded at 83.6, which is better than the best year that most any of these other guys have ever had. His best year was almost a 90 overall grade on PFF, which is stupid. 89.8 for his 2021 season. He put up big sack numbers every single year, 8, 15, and 14. His hurry numbers are stupid. Uh, 36, 56, and 42, well over uh, almost 150 in his career. And so, yeah, like this guy, he's got all the goods. If you're looking for one thing that he can prove on, it's just his bag. He can improve his diversity from a pass rush standpoint. Um, he's, he didn't have to be a technician at the college level because he just was better than everyone at the NFL level. He's going to be better than a lot of folks, but he's going to be taught a lot more in terms of diversifying his skill set, having more options and ways that he can approach pass pass rushing. JT, any thoughts that you have to pile on top of Will Anderson is good to discourse. I, I was just going to say like, 
yeah, he can improve on his like move set and like the variety of moves he has. He probably already has some of those moves. He's just because he of made, the Alabama the Alabama point. factor. He didn't have to use them. They may know? be like, deep in his bag. They exist. Yeah, exactly. They're just buried down in there. Yeah. So, but no, I agree. Do you want to go ahead and, and tell me why you hate who I think is the best edge in the class? <laughs> what did uh, Will McDonald the fifth so or the fourth do to you out of, I'm not out of gonna, Iowa State? So, of course. I have Will McDonald, I believe, as my sixth overall. Yeah, not disrespect um, at all. I'm higher on him than you. Yeah. Um, Where is he on the consensus board? Because I think you're pretty close to – he is one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so he, you're yeah. right in line with the consensus. On the consensus board, he's the 32nd overall player. A first-round pick, I think, just barely. He'll go either end of the first, late second. I would take him – if I'm a, if I'm a team in the 20s and I need an edge player and I need a, a – a, you know, a luxury, like if the chiefs got him at 30 or 31, I was, or whatever, I was literally about to say, like, that's why I, I mocked him too. In my first mock draft. Yeah, almost I, I think, I think, I think we're playing out a deja vu groundhog day scenario where like, maybe you're right about Will McDonald and he's kind of getting like the George Karloftis treatment from last year. And yep. the, in Kansas city he says, we'll take that guy. And mm -hmm. he becomes a stud. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's, it, he's it a totally guy that could happen again. And it's so frustrating every year. There's these guys who we ignore generally at the top of the draft. And then we get to the, draft night and then they take you know it's a, it's always a team that was already good and then, so everybody everybody wants their draft pick to stink because you don't want the good teams to get better you don't want the rich to get richer and then they pick them and everybody's like oh how did we let that guy fall how uh, uh, amazing how did the nfl let will mcdonald the fourth fall all the way to the chiefs well because you bozos didn't pick him like hello that's how he fell because you guys didn't value him. And now a team like the chiefs are going to get a player who you should have been valuing higher. And they're going to get a bona fide stud. He JT to me, but part of the reason I have him high is I'm, I'm walking on your, your notes here, but I'm clearly excited about this guy. So I'll shut up. The thing for me that I loved is I think that he has maybe besides I'll take Will Anderson out besides Will Anderson. He's got the lowest floor to me. I think that he is, if I had to put my money on one of these guys, panning out and you don't have to agree with me but for me you mean lowest ceiling no no did i say lowest yes i mean highest highest floor i'm not talking okay. about ceiling. you said you said floor. lowest floor and i'm like wow Excuse all me. right well I, yes. <laughs> I think this guy could really suck no i think that <laughs> i think that he's got the lowest floor if you had to bet on one of these guys being a starting caliber nfl player besides will anderson i'd bet on will mcdonald tell me what your thoughts on him were i think I don't disagree with you. I just like there wasn't a lot of like his tape that like super impressed me, but not because it's not impressive. It's just like, yeah, like there, there's a couple other guys who uh, just maybe are a little more fluid and have a little bit more twitch. Like he's still winning. It's just like it was really was, good. It just didn't he, catch your eye. Is what I'm yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think he has a lot of different pieces like he just needs to put it all together. And I think that's the big gamble. Like, can he become the, the product of everything that all his tools that he has. And right now, like he's winning by just being able to explode off the edge and get around you and like bull rush and make one move and like mm -hmm. get to it's the quarterback. Not, now what speed, happens when he comes up yep. when, what happens when he comes up against these and these NFL caliber linemen who have been doing this for so long, like he's got to develop his toolbox a little bit to get uh, around the outside and get to the quarterback. And I think there's just maybe like where he is on my board. Number six, I think there's five other guys who already have the, the tools to make that jump at the NFL level above him. So with Will McDonald, I agree with most everything you said. The things for me 
that stood out and made me forced me to say this guy is my second favorite player in this edge class. It's not his measurements, right? His height and his weight are not impressive really at all. His height is six, three and five eighths. So middle of the road weight 239. I think that's the besides Nolan Smith out of Georgia. That is the smallest guy that we've talked about on this board. Third percentile, very, very light. But I see infinite potential even in his measurement numbers, JT. His wingspan is 82 and a fourth inches. That's 80th percentile. His arm length is 34 and seven eighths inches, 90th percentile. His vertical jump and broad jump, 79th and 98th percentiles respectively. So he's got really great length and really great explosiveness. He doesn't have really great size, but the element of his size that's not great is the element of size that you can change. It's your weight. Imagine this guy's web, his measurements chart is is different in that one category. If he had a 50th percentile weight number, right? If he's coming in at 255, 260, 265, and he's 6'4 with 80th and 90th percentile measurements for speed, explosiveness, and uh, length, I think people would be putting this guy much higher. And I think teams are going to have that opportunity available to them. He's got uh, almost 6'4". Uh, frame, he can, he can wear more than 240 pounds guys. Like I I'm, I am, uh, I'm five, eight on a, a very good day, five, five, nine on a very good day, five, eight on an average day. And it it is, I could, if I wanted to, I could wear close to 240 on my frame. So I know at six, four, this guy absolutely can athletically wear 260 on, he can put 20 more pounds on. I'm not sure teams will want to though. Like if you want to make him a wide nine defensive end, then you may not need to. If you want to make him an off-ball linebacker, a 3-4 stand-up outside linebacker, you definitely wouldn't have to. He's got the traits to be super, super versatile in that way. He's an excellent speed rusher. When he's on the line, he's got his hand in the dirt. That's what he's doing. He's rushing the passer with speed. If you had to, if I had to point out one trait of his that I, I need him to improve on, and the reason why he's not better in my mind, is that play strength. He's not weak by any means. But he, he understands leverage very well, and that is something that he uses to, I think, cover up the fact that he's not as strong as a lot of his opponents. He doesn't have the weight to put behind um, the, the push that his opponents might have, so that's another part of it as well. But the explosiveness just can't be overstated. His ability to test tackles, ability to contain the edge and match his speed upfield in a hurry, it, it is in the, the blink of an eye this guy flies up the field just like Nolan Smith. In, in a lot of ways. And so I think that this is a guy that absolutely can be a stud three down player. I think that he could be somebody that runs the NFL in terms of being uh, the player that we talk about for defensive player of the year, because he's got crazy sack numbers, crazy hurry numbers. He can disrupt in a way that a lot of the other guys, I just don't think can. I think that his, his overall ceiling in terms of disruptiveness is the highest outside of Will Anderson jr. And that's why I love him so much. Let's get on to our final defensive edge of the day here. Oh, the Iowa boys. The The Iowa Iowa boys. boys. We have got a soft spot in our heart for the (laughs) Iowa boys. JT, this is the guy that was your guy. And I think later that same day, Jack Campbell actually became your guy. And you're like, oh, they're both Iowa guys. I just love this (laughs) Iowa class. Yeah. And it is Lucas Van Ness. Hercules, as they call him, his his teammates call him. I'll go ahead and give a couple of notes on him and then seed the floor to you because he's my edge three. He's your edge two. And he's the guy that has been your guy in terms of besides Will Anderson, who is the best edge in this class. 
dude's got it. Okay. He is, he is white lightning and it is a, a fitting place for him to have played at Iowa. Now he wasn't ever technically a starter. This has been talked about a lot in the pre-draft process. That's because at Iowa, they just, they're a little old school that way. They have the older veteran players, even though they're sometimes worse than the players under them in seniority, they let them start. And so guys like Van Ness, who just played two years, he's a, a uh, well, maybe three, actually, he was a red shirt senior, but he was playing behind some guys that have been playing. So he played three years there. He was playing behind some four and five year guys. And, um, oh, actually that is the wrong player. Did Van Ness play that many years? He played no. So just two years. I was right. I was looking at the wrong guy. So he is a sophomore who played just two years. And the, the important distinction here is while, yeah, he didn't technically start. He did see the field on basically every single important snap. So he was for all intents and purposes, their starter. He just didn't literally start the game. He's a versatile guy for sure. He played nearly all of this past season as a three technique for Iowa and then kicked outside more often, or excuse me, he played all of two years ago as a, as a three technique and then kicked outside more often this past year. He's got that JJ Watt element to him as well in the sense that he's somebody that I think is versatile enough to play inside or out on the defensive line at 272 and 65. His height and weight are both the 71st and 70th percentile. His arm length is 69th percentile at 34 inch arms. He's got great speed, 458 second 40 yard dash. That's the 91st percentile. His three cone, broad jump, vertical jump, all of the explosive numbers are very nice except for his vertical. But, you know, he's a white boy edge. He's not going to have he's not going to have hops. <laughs> give, give him a break, right? He's got very good pad level. That's probably the reason that he wins as much as he does, because despite being 6'5", a towering mountain of a man, at 272, he just gets low and out leverages you. The thing that he needed to improve most for me on tape was adding other moves to his bag. He's not super versatile um, in, in, as, a, as an outside of being a bull rusher. He was a bull rusher, and you don't blame him, really, for repeatedly going back to that over and over. That being said, NFL offensive linemen are much more prepared to handle that kind of thing. You don't, you're not afforded the luxury of being able to just out physical your opponents. That's what he did a lot in college. He's going to have to learn ways to outsmart as well as out physical his opponents in the NFL. And I, I don't think that's ter like a terrible gripe about him because he is one of the younger guys in the class. Like he, he, he's already this good. And he's, like, he's not even 22 years old even like given time, like to grow and develop, he can become that guy. I was reading, of course, day one of, of the beast being out. Of course I go to, I go to my guys in the draft mm -hmm. and I loved the, in the, the beast. You mean, is that where you're yes. looking at? Yeah. Um, I love the comp that, that Dame Brugler, Brugler gave him. He called him a grizzly bear. And I was like, <laughs> that was yes. the comp <laughs> yes. American yeah. grizzly bear. Uh, yeah. The American grizzly bear. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that's yeah. <laughs> um, dude's just a, a run stopper. He's a run stuffer. He like, I, I don't want to say he's like, as I, as I look into him more, he's like a Mike Vrabel guy that he would salivate to have on that defense. But I think Iowa culture is just really in line with Mike Vrabel culture. Yeah, so I think he'd um, get along with all the Iowa guys. <laughs> um, but his versatility of being able to play inside and outside is definitely a plus. Um, last season had 46 pressures and nine sacks this past season, not starting. So like uh, you can see, like you can be one of these, these 
these nerdy guys pull up your glasses and be like, oh, he's not a I starter. Start. Yeah, well, didn't start. 46 had, pressures and still had nine sacks and yeah, not just, being a just starter. Shy like, of, okay. Just shy of 500 <laughs> defensive snaps in 13 games. That's um, not. That's about as close to a starter as you can be without being a starter. So, yeah. yeah. I think I think he's got great power in his bull rush. He's shifty, but like you were saying, if you have a downside, he kind of is a one-trick pony on the outside right now. And he he's young and he's a little inexperienced, but I think if the right team takes him and he might not be uh, right out of the gate, the the top five edge player, but like give him some time. I am just so high on him that like I'll say that like two or three years down the road, we could be looking at him as a premier edge. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think we could be the only other thing that I'd say in terms of knock that I forgot to mention is his ability to perform in the run game is a little bit lacking, containing the edge, being a run stopper in that way. He's got some work to be done. But in terms of just being a physical freak and he and Tyree Wilson are those two guys that their ceiling from a physical standpoint is the moon. It is it is really, really, really great. And it is also really, really great that, hey, we're done. And we are down to just one more position on the defensive side of the ball until we get to move on to the offensive guys who we are very excited. I mean, I could have, listen, we do a lot of prep for these shows. I'm excited to get past the defensive guys because I'll have to do less and less prep the day of (laughs) because I've got so many notes on these offensive guys already. So excited for that. Just to wrap it up with a bow here, our top 10 defensive edge play defensive edge defenders as they're called by all the people that are smart in the NFL. Uh, the edge defenders in this class are top 10. This is JT's board. His edge 10 is Keon white out of Georgia tech edge nine, Felix and in a DK Uzama out of Kansas state edge eight at it. Uh, at at a, at a edge seven, BJ Ojolari edge six, Will McDonald edge five miles Murphy out of Clemson edge four, Nolan Smith out of Georgia edge three, Tyree Wilson out of Texas tech, Edge two, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, and edge one, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. My top 10 edge players. And a DK, oh, excuse me, I skipped one. Aditamiwa out of Buare out of Northwestern is my edge 10. Felix and a DK Uzama out of Kansas State is my edge nine. Edge eight, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Edge seven, BJ Ojolari out of LSU. Edge six, Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Edge five, Nolan Smith out of Georgia. Edge four, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. Edge three, Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa. Edge two, Will McDonald out. Uh, Will McDonald the fourth out of Iowa State. And edge one, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama. JT, appreciate you being with me today. Appreciate all of our listeners being with us today. Just a heads up, before you leave us, make sure you're liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. Very helpful to us. Uh, it's draft season. We're in full swing. We're doing shows every day. So make sure to share the shows with your friends. If you've got friends that are big NFL Fans, people that are interested in the draft, want to learn a little bit more about the draft and aren't sure how to send them this show. It's very helpful for us from a grassroots standpoint if you spread this show around. So I know you got some friends that like the Titans. Send it out to them, um, and we would appreciate that. Just a rundown, a reminder, the shows that are already out, that now that this one's about to end, you should be queuing up next. The three positions we've already touched on, defensive tackles, safeties, 
and linebackers. All three of these up those episodes are the last three episodes on this podcast feed. So go back and find those and watch those to learn about the best players at those positions. Just so you know what's coming up this week on the Hot Read Podcast feed, we've got three more episodes for you that are going to drop the next three mornings. So Wednesday morning, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, tomorrow morning, check out our top 10 interior offensive linemen episode with two special guests who are also going to be joining us for our Thursday morning episode, the top 10 offensive tackles in this draft class. Titans fans, if you've been ignoring or putting on the back burner these top 10 episodes, for positions now is the time to tune in this is the time if you're going to only listen to two of these episodes or three of them make it the wide receiver and the two offensive line episodes because those are the guys that this titans team needs the most we'll be covering those two groups in the next two days and then capping the week off on friday morning with my mock draft 2.0 which i am writing and very excited to talk about as we mentioned at the top of the show today i think the mocks generally speaking are going to be very wrong i'm going to try to get ahead of that curve by thinking outside of the box a little bit. I've got some interesting fits for some interesting players. So we'll discuss all of that on Friday. Two more top tens coming for you in the next two days. And until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.